I'm Dwayne Brummett, he's Ali Albarigo, and this is the School Owner Talk Podcast. Hello again, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Ali, good morning, sir. Hey, good morning to you as well, and good morning to our very special guest, uh, Master Apollo Ladra. Great to have you here. Thank you, sir, and uh, good morning, sir. Good morning, Dwayne, and uh, good morning, everyone that are watching us. Um, from it looked like the, your show has been popular, so from everywhere, everywhere, all over yeah. the world, right? Yeah. So, Dwayne, you want to do you, you want to do our intro? Yeah, well, so obviously uh, we, we've got a very important guest uh, with us today, and uh, we, I think what's uh, it was a few years ago, right, that we had met. Yes, sir. Oh, so, quite, yeah, it's quite a while. Quite a while, <laughs> and then uh, we definitely have some mutual friends uh, as well in the industry. And I think you know, as big as the martial arts industry is, it's it's a small group, really, when when you get down to it, uh, especially the individuals that are active and being a part of. Uh, I think carrying on uh, the uh, the martial arts, you know what I'm saying, where we actually care about what's happening and want to see it move forward. So um, can you first give a little bit of background of, of you know, how you got into your martial arts training and, and, and uh, we'll kind of move from there? Yes, sir. Uh, so basically we moved here, we migrated here when I was a kid. And then um, back then our two blocks from my neighborhood was a van. And I still remember the name. It's, it's Kim's Karate, and it's 444-1111. I still remember the phone number. <laughs> right. And they passed by our house, and that's how I got involved. And uh, talk, talk our parents, my two brothers and I, um, talk my dad into doing martial art here uh, because we grew up in Baltimore, right, in the city of Baltimore. And uh, we wanted to do – we've always been to a big Bruce Lee fan. So that's kind of like what inspired us. Uh, so that's how I got started in the art of Taekwondo. And next thing you know, I was just, um, we couldn't afford it anymore. And my instructor had me cleaning the school after school. So when I was in high school, I would, you know, have the bus drop us off, right? Not too far from the school. I would walk and I would clean the school and um, watch the kids when the parents is back then in the 70s it's basically mostly adults that are taking classes so the kids are basically just in the back and i was keeping them quiet and that's how i started teaching kids so i kept them quiet by making them do martial art in the back we have them teach you know front kick things like that we were using x-ray papers next thing i know i became a assistant instructor working with the kids karate kids came out and we opened up 57 schools and I ended up um, training the instructors, creating the curriculum, helping my instructor. Um, you know, I was involved in negotiating this because I was translating. And that's how I really got involved into the martial art business and martial art in general. Wow. That's a great Very story. Cool. Yes. And then so all throughout, I role model people that's already there, like Quantum Ernie. So I joined the Ernie Reyes West Coast group, you know, um, 
you have all the competition people that are top in giving seminars, including the Filipino martial art. You know, back then in the 70s, I saw my instructor, Grant Tohon Liugahe, being featured on a magazine. And I was like, one day, I want to be in front of the magazine. And it was a, and then I saw the Black Belt magazine, and I've been following Black Belt magazine since. And that was one of my dream. And, you know, uh, and I thought it would be in the martial, you know, in Taekwondo because that was my, sure. my main art. And my secondary art was Filipino martial art because I needed to have some sort of combative. I guess living in Baltimore, you have some, you have to have some, you know, like real self-defense program. So I took the Filipino martial art and that's how I how ended up with um, everything pointed to Grant Tohon Liyugahe, which huh. is, that's how I end up with him. And I've been with him for over, over 30 years now. That's amazing. Yeah. How cool is that, Dwayne? I mean, it's like, you know, going with just one being with an instructor that long right? and, and having someone that you could look up to and be have a, as a mentor for that many years. Um, but to find like one of the roots, like the, the people who are really like one of the most knowledgeable in that particular martial arts of Pikiti Tersha and Kelly and our niece um, is a uh, grand Tuhan uh, Leogahi and I, him and I have trained together and he used to help me with my teacher Tuhan Sayak. So I remember training with him and he was just, he would stop in my school when I was a kid, I was a teenager and he would just show up and say, Hey, can I teach? Like he'd ask permission, like almost as I would say, mm -hmm. no, nah, not today. No, but like I was in awe. He would just walk through the door and then he'd be there for hours hours and hours teaching like i'd be you know i'd stay and train for four or five hours it was amazing so now we can even the way we run our martial arts schools because i wish you'd have told me a week ago right at this place right yeah, yeah. <laughs> create an event out of that yeah and isn't it funny though like people back back then you and i all of us we looked at people like those teachers and we were just in awe of being around them, you know, and training with them. They would, if they told us to, like my teacher, Tuan Sayak lived with me for a year and he'd literally have me climb up a tree and then climb down upside down. And he'd make me do crazy things. He'd shoot arrows at me and all sorts of crazy <laughs> stuff. No joke, I'm not even making that up. My mom would sit in the kitchen watching and needle pointing. Um, but, uh, that was something we did. And nowadays, you know, people, you'd say, hey, we have a seminar with Grand Tuhan Leo Gahi. And they'll go, oh, let me see if my schedule's, oh, I have a birthday party that day. Like, people are not the way they used to be, right? Do you find that yeah. as, as part of the issue in the martial arts these days? Is really people revering at teachers like they used to? Yes, I think because we have access to a lot of things here, especially now. Uh, you know, because of YouTube, between the YouTube and, you know, Googling things, I think we tend to take things for granted. Yeah. Um, and I think, and this is part of the reason why I have created a program that basically the common, the main thing is the learn to teach, teach to learn. Right. So, you know, this way, so they, the kids that are learning from us, they don't take things for granted. You know, the fact that we, as an instructor, we spend a lot of time with the kids that especially need individual attention. But if they can learn to teach other kids like themselves, then they learn to empathize. That's basically what it's about. They learn how to empathize and how, what the instructor feels when they're working with the other kid. Right. And it boosts, number one, it'll boost up their self-esteem and it's got leadership. 
And that was one of the things that we wanted to do in a program. And the martial art industry was the leadership program. But leadership program, a lot of times, the only people that are getting that in our school was the instructor. It was only the people that we turn into instructors that are getting that leadership program that we wanted, that we tell people uh, to our clientele that, oh, your kids will become a leader instead of a follower, right? But to for them to see that when they walk into the school, that is a big selling point. Um, so that's why my programs learn to teach, teach to learn. My Kali for kids, Kali for the kids program, Kali for adults, and I'm developing uh, leaders and instructors. I mean, I give you a perfect example would be fitness industry, Zumba. How many people wants to be certified in Zumba? Hmm. Right? You got tons of people, whether they have school or not. I mean, remember Taibo? How many people got? Remember how many people got certified in Taibo that didn't even have school, that right. didn't teach, but they got certified just to say that that's how they stay with it. Right. So if that was the case, and like we need to train teachers, we need to train students to become instructors. And yeah. that's how they end up staying. Look, us as an example, we stayed in the martial art because we became teachers. Yeah. Now, imagine if your program is nothing but just creating instructors. Right. What is the number one problem in the martial art industry? Bench strength. Right. Okay. Even from before. Running multiple schools or you have tons of instructors and or one main instructor. And after they learn the business, they leave and start their own. Right. Imagine if you have a program that basically that sell itself instead of selling the instructor. Now we can, so when your school grow, you can take vacations. Yeah. Because you're selling the program, not the instructors. Right. Like people will not come to class unless you're teaching. I mean, yeah. we're all guilty of that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like the bigger my school got before, the thicker the wall, the prison I created, because I can't get out. I can't take a vacation because nobody will show up. <laughs> I love I love that. That's a, that's a quote that we should make into a meme. The the bigger your school became, the thicker and bigger the walls became that you that you uh, you know can't get out of. Right? Yeah. You're, you're like pigeonholing yourself in. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a great one. So you know, when you when you're selling personality, you're selling yourself as a, your personality, your charismatic personality is what keep people in the school as opposed yeah. to a program where they can see the benefits. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think too, it's hard for like, for example, I, I mean, I've had instructors that I've built up, you know, people have yeah. respected them so much that they mm -hmm. said the people that respected them, loved them and all the students. And then they said, Hey, why don't you go out on your own? If you did, I would follow you. Like, you know, and as a teacher, you build them up and then you find that sometimes you build them up so big that they leave you and take your clientele yeah. with them. So it's kind of like a catch 22. So what do you do to, what do you do to kind of um, change that? You know? So I guess we all went, we all guilty of all of that, right? We all been through that after being yeah. in the martial art for so long. One of the things um, that I do now that to change that is that I have this vision and I have this plan. When I have an instructor that start teaching for me, right. I have to include his plan to my plan. Okay. So this way, whatever he has, whatever goals he had, it has to be included 
on mine. If my goal was to make a hundred thousand and his is 50, I have to include his 50 on mine, which means my goal has to be 150. Right. Okay. In other words, whatever, if his goal is to own a school, he's going to go whether you like it or not. Right. Make him a partner. Right, right, right. You know, give him the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I, I have a junior, uh, he's 15, he just recently got his official show on, and the dad wrote a big long thing on Facebook about how proud he was, and he can't wait until he's old enough to become a cop. And I'm going like, damn, we, he's in my instructor yes. program, he teaches for me, I'm like, why not think of the martial arts as a viable option? But his dad's a retired cop, canine uh -huh. guy, so of course he wants him to carry in the family business, but I'm like, why don't people see that? The parents, they see the martial art as a hobby or an activity or a life skill. Right. They don't see it as a career path. So like yeah. when they bring their kids, they're not looking at it that way. So you're you're saying you have to build that vision and talk about that yeah. so that people see it because without you pointing that out, maybe they never will. Yeah, and, and you also have to show them that um, you have to lead by example. Right. Um, so if you say this is a professional career, then right. you have to be professional and you have to act like you're a professional. Yeah. Because so, and that is the big issue that a lot of us fall, a lot of the as martial art instructors is like, because we own the school, we don't run it. If you don't run it professionally, yeah. then how are the people that you're training can make this a professional career? You right. Know, if you run it like, um, it's, a uh, let's say a garage style yeah, yeah. Of, of a martial arts school, right. like, you know, then they're not going to see the future. I don't want to be in the garage. I want to be treated. Their goal is to be professional. Yeah. If you carry yourself as a professional um, martial art instructor, mm -hmm. right? Then, you know, instead of every day you come in and sweat and, and, um, and t-shirt, right? Yeah. And then, but they're looking. They want to be. There's some people that want to. I know. I want to be able to wear nice clothes. And yeah. So there's days that you do that. Like on admin day, you act like you're a professional on the admin day. You know, you yeah. wear street clothes instead of always wearing your your karate gi and sweats and a t-shirt and going back because they're not going to see the professionalism and how you present yourself. Why would I want to be like you? Yeah, I have one more question, Dwayne. I know I'm taking yes, all the time and I promise I, promise I won't. Um, so what about, you know, like we as martial artists sometimes try to hide our success because in the in the past, I know like I once had a meeting with a bunch of parents and in no joke, I talk about this all the time, there's three moms and they said, oh, we'd like to meet. And when I sat them down, made a special appointment, they said, we want to talk to you about your car. And at that time I had a brand new Corvette Mm -hmm. And I said, no, no, really, why are you here? And they're like, yeah, we want to talk to you about your car. We want to know, like, we feel that we're paying for your car. And I'm like, you are. You pay for my car. You pay for my house. You pay for my bill. But they were really upset that they felt like they have the mindset that teachers should be poor and they should be selfless and not make a living. So I think some instructors are nervous. And then they're the other side of the coin where people will pull up in a Ferrari or a Lamborghini and show their wealth and you know, prosperity to prove how successful they are. But I asked those parents, I said, um, would you rather your kids follow me who has a nice car and I'm a success? Or would you rather me pull up in a, and they actually said, you should probably buy a clunker. Like I'm like a clunker. They're like, yeah, beat up old cars to drive back and forth to the school. And I'm like, why do you want your kids to follow someone who can't afford a decent car or to follow someone who follow, you know, has a good car? Right, right. But I was confused by that. So do you see that people are like that? What's your thoughts? There, um, there are some people are like that. And I think it's basically, it's how we culture. It's how we culture the school. 
Right. You know, um, I think people will come in here when you have your own business. Like if you run the martial arts school as a professional school, when they first come in, they're going to assume that you're successful already. Right. Right. So, and then especially the way you run the business, if the way you run the business, um, you run it like, you know, you're successful. You give them the, you give them the service. It's a service business. Right. Right. If I give them a service of a Porsche and I'm driving, uh, I'm driving a Honda. Yeah. I don't think they'll question anything. Right. I don't right. think they will say anything. And I think if we give them, uh, when they come to class, if we always give them a great experience and, like for me is my whole thing is always about edutainment. Yeah. If I educate them and I entertain the parents that are watching. So, you know, or, and the kids, if they smile and they get educated and the parents see that, I don't think even if I drive a Ferrari outside, I think in the parents are already using you as a role model. They already made you a hero. Yeah. Right. That you are a hero. You're on a pedestal for all these kids because you are, quote unquote, master. Right, right, right. And you're the instructor. So I don't think the parents will say, "Don't look." That's why they brought him to you and using you as a role model. Yeah, um, male role model figure, especially majority back then when we we're running the big schools. Majority of the people that are at the school are from broken family. Yeah, a lot of single parents. So yeah. they needed a male role model figure. And if you're that person that have that um, the car and the that that looks a you know a successful, that's why they said, hey, he could be a martial arts. Parents used to say, the way you are, my son could be like you, and I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, you know? true. So it's it's basically, I think, is the way we culture the school. Yeah, it's what sets that. So. I try to culture the school so that it's the program that made me successful and that made that's going to make the kids successful and yeah. building them the foundation. And this is the thing that's missing on a lot of the school. People need to see that, not hear it. They have to see it. Yeah. They have to see that, you know, look, they walk in, your school's clean. Oh, man, this is the discipline. This is like a military. Yeah, yeah. But then, this is like a military, but then when they come to class, Wow. I mean, he doesn't even yell. It's not like, it's like a family here, but the place, the kids are doing their thing. So, you know, they're clean. They see that there's nothing around. They put their sticks on the side. They put their bag on the side and their shoes because we culture them that way. It's yeah, almost yeah. like the military. It's like, ma'am, our parents, this is the habit of successful people, you know, or right. habit of a good person. So that way, if your kids are not doing this at home, please let me know. Now, as soon as you say that, they're gonna, they're already gonna look just like your instructor. Do you ever see the school dirty? Do you ever see this? You know, they're gonna start using you as um as a role model, as an example for them. This is why this is what I mean by keeping the school and running it a professional. There's tons of people out there had that backyard mentality yeah. of running a martial arts school, but they want to be treated professional. Right, right. Right? So that's that has to change because in order for us, for the martial art to not get watered down, it has to start with the instructors. Yeah. And we really, the benefits are there, but they have to see it on the floor. 
This is yeah. one of my topics all the time. Whenever I speak on the martial art industry, um, like at Maya Super Show. Yeah. Mike talk about how to sell on the floor. When I'm teaching, I want the parents to walk in, whether it's intro or the parents come in. This is why I brought my son here. What he just said about learn to teach. My son is teaching his kid and my son has a, a confidence problem. I couldn't get a word out of him. But him teaching the other kid that are also shy, he can relate to him. Right. I love it. And now there's a this and, and then I can just go in the back and parents in the back. So, you know, you notice the improvement on the kids before we couldn't hear your kids. Now, look, they're leading a class. Look, right. they're, they're teaching someone. And now they know what it feels like when they don't listen to me because that kid will not listen to them. <laughs> it's called em empathy, right? They learn to empathize. They learn to put themselves on the other people's shoes. So now when I teach the class, you notice that your son, ever since he started working with kids who's not listening, you notice how much, how better he pays attention to me in class. Yeah. And you know why? Because he knows he has to turn around and teach it to that kid who doesn't know it. I like that. I'm, you know, tonight, culture. Tight, I, I have a shirt, right? You made a shirt. One yes. of the shirts I have that says that on there and I love it. It's a rash guard. Yeah. I'm going to actually go to my classes tonight. I'm going to break my classes into partners as I always do. And I'm going to have one person teach the other person and then back and forth just for that inspiration. I, I love it. I think it's, it's a great concept and it, it's genius. I, yeah. So that's, thank you for that. And then once they see that, you just go to the parents in the back. Oh, and the only people that are teaching are your leadership program, right? Your upgrade program. Yeah. And then you turn it to the parents and see, see mom and dad soon your kid would be on the other side. Oh, really? He's going to learn that. Yes. Right. But I have to recommend them to do that. I have to start. I let him try and the kids love it. And he goes, you keep that up and I'll talk to your mom about going to the leadership program. Well, yeah. So you sell on the floor, but they see it. That's why they do it. As opposed to a sales presentation that you do a lot of talking, but no action. Right, right. We said, yeah. I always think that martial art is an action philosophy. It should sell itself. Yep. It's reverse engineered in a way, right? You're exactly. not. Exactly. That's you're what not, I did. You're not, um, yeah, you're not like putting out a presentation and trying to sell with a, a value stack. You're actually just doing it showing it and they're actually asking them they're they're trying to get in it on their own yes sir they said action speaks louder than words right yep absolutely so What's what another, yeah mm -hmm. some other questions Dwayne? yeah i was yeah, I, I was gonna be funny when you said actions speak louder than words i was gonna say huh what'd you say so. <laughs> except no. when you're after 50. you have oh, to write things down <laughs> yes yeah no, I remember it. I yep, remember absolutely. It so well what um I, I'm, I'm curious with with regards to the teaching aspect, right? Yes, um, I, I definitely love the the phrase, you know, um, where you said, uh, and, and remind me of what you said, but uh, uh, learn it and then teach it, basically. Yes, what, learn what, to teach, teach to learn. Right, learn to teach and then teach to learn. I love that. I got to write it down because I'm, well, I'm not even 50 yet, but I should write it down. But um, <laughs> this, so you have, you have the Kali for kids, you have the Kali for adults, right? Yes, sir. Um, I know that most martial arts are taught across the board, so it's not separated, you know, mm -hmm. like Taekwondo is not separated. Mm -hmm. You don't have Taekwondo for kids and Taekwondo for adults. They're doing all right. the same thing. So why the separation with regards to 
you know, uh, a program for adults with Kali and then a program with kids. Okay. The reason why I have it separated is because there are a lot of martial arts schools that's just looking for complementing their existing curriculum with kids program because majority of their students are kids. So I created a program for just mainly kids, but the, and, and the words that we use are kid friendly as opposed to adult, you know, adult friendly. So I used, I, we choose the word for the kids that fit the kids program, like the padded, the padded sticks is what they use to keep it safe for adults is basically everything's that combated. Most adults that gets into the program, like the parents, if the parents are there, they're basically want self-defense and fitness, right? And if you, if you have them, so it's the same as kids, some schools, yes, that works. But right now, majority of the adults, that's why the ratio for how many adults wants to get in shape versus the kids that want to do a martial art. Sure. Okay. So how do we look at that? Look at the fitness club. How many members do they have? Thousands, correct? Yeah. Mar a typical martial arts school, average martial arts schools. How many kids do, how many students do we have? If you pass 300, you're doing awesome. I right. Yeah. If you reach a 500, you're ex you're, you're a superstar. Yeah. Right. But then here are the gyms that has 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 members. And there's one every in within the three mile radius, there's like four or five of them and they all have that many people. Right. So if a lot of times the adult want, why would adult want to do martial art? Stress release, right? Another way is I want to do something for me. You know, and most of these people are parents. A lot yeah. of them are parents. If or if they're not parents, they're single. Right. Right. That means if they are single, do you want to hang out with the kids or do you want to hang out with other adults? Sure. Right. Yeah. So that's why they're mainly interested in self-defense. That's why Kramaga took off because they're mainly designed for adult friendly adult martial art. Right. It's something that they can do fitness. So I created a program when I did this program, I, I really did not have the intention of growing schools again. Yeah. I did it to create a program that will complement the schools that have kids that I have a kid's program adults to complement because I have a lot of, um, combated martial art. Like a lot, I have a lot of Kramaga schools that wants to do, learn how to use blade weapons, defense, why weapons defense? Because if you look of the statistics, majority of attack on women or adult is by a usable weapon. Right. But we're not teaching that on the self-defense, mm -hmm. how to defend themselves against a weapon. We mainly teach what? Punch, kick, and back, right? Right. So that's why they want to complement their program with a weapons program. Mm. Okay. Um, so that's why the Kramaga is adapting weapons. They, they have weapons defense section on their program. Okay. Because that's what keeps this adult interested in the program. Yeah. And then you have women's self-defense class. Why do we have separate women's self-defense class? There are some women that just want to train with other women. They don't want to train with sweaty men. Right. 
right? So they just, or a lot of times, the reason why they need self-defense, something happened to them. Yeah. Right? So that's why we have those special programs like that, that I train a lot of my female instructors to promote that program instead of me promoting that program. Right. Again, I'm I'm having the program sell itself instead of me. Right, right. I don't have to do it on, on uh, all the time. And in terms of empowering, like a lot of the women's program or even any kind of self-defense program, it's all about empowering them. Mm -hmm. So if majority of attack on people are, are multiple, number one is more than one person. It's always right. multiple opponents. If you are focus of your program that you're complementing your traditional martial art program, it's something that designed for comp for for that. And statistics says majority with the weapon and the weapons program. This is how women uh, or me for myself. That's why I took it because I'm short. Yeah. You know, I don't have the weight. The blade is very empowering. Right now, if you ask, if we pick a lady and it's in black belt, okay? Two black belt female. I have four guys that's gonna attack you. How do you think you would do with your martial art? And they see these guys all buff, right? Yeah. I don't know if my punch is gonna even hurt that guy or <clears throat> kick, but there's four of them. Now you change, you ask another, you, you ask that same lady, if I give you this, how do you think you would do with them? You know what their first response? I'll cut them to come near me. Yeah. That's totally different from going, I don't know if my martial art is, I don't know if I can, my punch and my strike are strong enough to drop a guy for, you know, to drop a guy and then go to the next one. Right. But if they have this, if you cut, if, if the person that comes to you, if you cut, and they're going to use this anyway on you because most of them will have this. Yeah. So it's it's empowering to them. It's um, You know what they refer to it? The late, a lot of the women refer to this as it's my equalizer. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah. That was for me. I was an equalizer. I don't yeah. care how hard I punt. And I'm 5'6", 165, 170. Right. You know? But four people, I don't know. But this... How, my chances are higher. Yeah. After you cut one, guess what? The three might not come in. Yeah. But punching, if I hit a guy and I knock one guy, do you really think those three will not come in? No, they come in anyway, right? They're coming whether you like it or not. Yeah. But if I have this, uh, they will think twice hmm. before they do. Now, how empowering is that for a female? Not just female, for any adults. Right. Now, you know, it's interesting. I, I've done the knife systems and trained in it my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I, I carry a knife with me everywhere I go. You know, I really? probably shouldn't admit that on uh, on the camera. <laughs> but um, isn't it isn't it scary to think like I have a few friends, uh, one of them, you know, and uh, we'll talk off camera, but he's always promoting knife training and you always see cuts to the jugular and stabs to the throat. And, and it's a very from the person looking at it, it looks very violent. You right. know, it is violent. I mean, there's no other way to say it's not violent, right? So um, 
how do you get around that when people think about that? Like, you know, okay. when people are, you know, like someone like a parent of a 14 year old or 12 year old, they're like, I don't want my kid to learn how to, you know, kill someone and stab someone. How do you get around that? Other than the equalizer comment, which okay. was, you know, but what do you equalizer say? Equalizer is good. And also if you provide them with statistics, yeah. If you have a 14 years old daughter, she is going to go to college, right? Right. And then you provide them with information of, um, the statistics in college of female that are getting raped. Right. College students are getting raped. You know, they're getting, they're putting drugs on their drinks. Yeah. Right. And this program will do that. And this is why we train people to do this. So hoping that they never, ever have to use it. Right. Right. But the reason why you learn all of that so that you know, and you can discipline yourself. So instead of going to the, primary target you also learn secondary targets you know and yeah. just that alone will might even just a person attacking you and you just go crazy with this on your hand you might not even have to use it right, right? so right. and so in in a way and then it's almost like this when it comes to self-defense especially when you talk about sensitive subject like rape like a yep. rape prevention program it's either your kid your daughter or them right i know i feel you know it's it's so true you met my daughter she's now 22 yes. years old mm -hmm. you know she went away to college she actually is going to take her first trip with her friend um to uh, disney this year but she wanted to go to thailand or iceland her friend wanted to go yeah and i'm like why don't we start off with a Disney trip and then we'll work our way into it? Like I, I feel like Liam Neeson. Like I yeah, want to be, I want to exactly. be in the background watching them following around the Disney park to make sure she's safe. And so the best way to prepare them is to prepare them to defend in themselves. But you know, you and I both know, like, you know, sometimes, like you said, women, no matter how skilled they are, my daughter's a black belt without that equalizer, that blade or whatever. Mm -hmm they're kind of going to be at odds. So I think this is a great way to explain it. I like, I like your philosophy. Yeah. And, and also in my ad, uh, if the percentage is 80% of attack on women are by use of a blade or some sort of weapon, right? You know, what's going to happen and how this starts. Yes. My, yes. Your daughter knows how to do all of this, right? But you know how it starts. Your daughter is not going to start a fight. Yeah. You know how it's going to start? The other person have a weapon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Threaten or, or you know, exactly. So it's not going to be her starting a fight and doing cutting right. the juggler and the femoral. Right, yeah. You know, and, and basically what it does is educate her. It educate her. No, she cannot get cut there. She cannot yeah. get cut there. Right, right. So what, what she has to do is this. She can't get cut. So the only yeah. way you don't get cut is that you better make sure when it gets to that point and they're closer, it better be your turn. Right. I right. always say fighting is only fun or combat. Self-defense is only fun if it's always your turn. Yeah. Right. I um one of our <laughs> listeners one of our listeners said when I mentioned my daughter, he said you should have her watch the movie Taken before she goes away. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, and you built your contacts in Orlando area. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, that's what I did. That's what I did when uh, my son and his school went to New York. I contacted Allie and I said, now they're going to be there this weekend. And yep. uh, 
can I give you, can I give him your number? Can I put us on a three-way text? And because Allie would be the closest one that I could call on, you know? Yeah. And I, so I, get, I get a lot of those. I get a yeah. lot of those. People will go to DC and they know that I'm close by. So right. when they go, and then when they go to New York, they'll tell me, you have a staff or you have people in New York, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. then, You know, especially in this, in this particular art. And because yeah. we work with law enforcement, we work with military. Yeah. Because you have, you have, a, you know, a cop over in that side of town. I'll right. Say, yes, I do. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. So Dwayne, any more questions? Cause I have a ton of them. So like you have. Yeah. Yeah, go your way. No, I'm good. I'm good. And I apologize for dropping out. I don't know. My internet dropped or something. So. Oh no, you're good, sir. Yeah, you were out for two seconds, but we were still live, so it was no problem. So, um, okay, let's let's go to a different area. So, like, if you're as a school owner, what would you say would be like three tips that you? And, and by the way, you ran. By the way, I want listeners to know you've ran some huge schools. I remember we met probably thirty-five years ago. <laughs> yes. That's how long it was. Then we became closer during the APS days, right? Right. We were, we're at different conventions together. Um, I won't tell them about how much fun we had in Philadelphia when no. we're walking around the city, <laughs> looking, looking for cheesesteak. Philadelphia yeah, cheesesteak, exactly. But um, but so, what would you say are the three top maybe mistakes that school owners make? And then we'll go with the three top most important things that they should be doing. So, okay. what, let's start with the mistakes. What do you find school owners do wrong that they okay. could easily correct? The big one of the biggest mistake that a lot of instructors, especially uh, diehard martial artists, teach is um, they teach they create their curriculum to teach. They teach what they want them to learn instead of what the students need to learn. That is probably one of the biggest mistake. And the parents are coming in. I want to develop my kids. Um, discipline and focus and concentration, they right. push, they push competition. Right. You know, they want them to be, you know, uh, they want them to work on their self-discipline, but they're teaching nothing but just sparring. Right. So they don't see those things. That's one of the biggest mistakes. So they teach what they want the students to learn instead of what the students need. In, in business, we call that need benefit selling, right? You sell them what they need. If they came in for, uh, especially on the intros, that's why their, uh, their closing ratio is low. A part of it is that they're probing questions that they ask. The, the, they already have those probing questions, right? right? And they say, oh, I want my son to be more disciplined and I want him to, to concentrate better and to focus. Mm. And the whole entire time, this is what we do in the tournament, you know, and we train you to be a champion. So now the parents are going to be like, hmm, I don't know about my son being learning how to fight more. And I saw the karate kid. I saw, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. You're giving them, uh, you're teaching them what you want them to, to learn instead of what they need to learn. Yeah. Or what they want. Yes. The parents already told you, I want. The way you're going to close me, basically, when you, what are some of the main reasons why you get involved in the martial art? Right. They're t basically, what that means is, parents, can you tell me how I can close you? Right, right. That's basically what that means. Yeah. So that's why the one of the main things that they need is need benefit selling. Right. Okay? You can teach the same intro, 
but you have to show those benefits that you advertise that you you make them do and there goes self-defense i want my kid to learn self-defense because he's been being bullied he got you know he got attacked two three times and right. what do you what do you teach i mean it's almost like yes i got it i did it you know and yeah, then you, no. you teach them how to stand still yes exactly or just like this we're teaching them discipline no that's what he was doing he wasn't doing anything yeah yeah i need him to like do something like push the kid and you know you remember that front kick that i showed you when they push you your hand will go up and then you throw the kick because they're pushing you right right and right. then but remember you can and then you can only do this and what was the first choice first you know you walk away from it or you tell the teachers right or right. you tell someone second if they still provoke you you have to look you gotta use your voice right yeah next if they have to you take it so you have to teach them stages yeah as opposed to oh your kid want to learn self-defense i was a world champion right and i can show them exactly no it's almost like one is a need benefit it's about the clients yeah like need benefit selling that's number one teach them what they want to learn number two a lot of times is that when they walk into the school they i mean they talk about them like the trophies they make and right. what fights and what have you know no i mean that's not what they're looking for they're looking for i want some professionals to to teach my son how to properly use a martial art right that's what they're looking for that's called discipline yeah everything that you say you present must say all the benefits that the martial art has to offer if you say fitness and you just made the person bow and hands up and do fighting stands and you go stop back and then they didn't sweat and the parents are here i want my son to lose weight right they're not coming back yeah right Got it. so this is what i mean by need benefit selling teach them what they want to learn and then you're going to get majority of your student is because of the area you have yes you study the area until they get to your school you're not going to know exactly you have this idea of what to teach like a curriculum is just a guideline right but how you teach it how you structure it and how you culture the school it's got to match right otherwise this is otherwise what's going to happen is you're going to be the average school that the kids will stay at your school for 11 months and then they quit you got to recruit yeah. new people right you know, you got to have a model like, man, if I get 150 people, I'm going to keep this 150 people. And all I have to do is if the hole on the bucket, I'm losing three students a month. I only have to recruit three students a month as opposed to 20 students every month. Yeah. If my school is this and I'm going to stay with this and that's my role model. Right. So they really before they get involved, they really have to know what the role model, what the model is. What's your endpoint? Right. Another uh, thing is, do you have an exit plan? Okay. That's the most things that people know. I'm going to teach for the rest of my life. You got hurt. Right. Right. Then because you're the one that's teaching all the classes, no one takes. I miss, I miss a whole month of January. I got COVID. Right. You know, after me, my son. And then that means I have to quarantine because I, you know, my son lives with me. So it's just yeah. me and him. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I missed the whole month. My school continued because right. I failed the program. I come back right. and I got nothing but compliments. Yeah. Which makes you annoyed too sometimes, right? Because you know, nope. you want <laughs> nope. not me because yeah. it's cold here. I want to be where it's warm. Right. I hear you. I just go keep teaching great so I can go to Florida. <laughs> yes. Yes. I understand. Yeah. You so, have to have an exit. You have to have a plan. An exit strategy. Of yeah, an exit strategy. Like what are you, what's your end point? Right. You know? And also what's the goal? What is your model? One as a martial arts school owner, what's your model? Yeah. You know, and, and then you go shoot for that. It's almost like what's your goal? I mean, right. goal is that you have a 3,000 square foot. You want 300 students. You want 200 students. I want 200 students paying $250 a month. Right. Or $200 a month. Right. Let me start them with, with 150. Right. Then once I get those people, let me create a leadership program, an upgrade. Yeah. Right. Then after that, how do I get the other 50? It could be from the testing. It could be from merchandise. It could be from seminars or it could be from my instructors. Right. Certification program. Right. So mm -hmm. that's how I, that's how I can do it. Or, you know, I might just host an event every once a month. I have an event for other school owners to come in so they can learn what I'm doing. Right. So I love what you just said and I wrote it down. Um, oh. And I, I have a dilemma sometimes while coaching people, and it was about instructors' programs, right? So a lot of school owners feel bad charging money to teach people how to teach in their school um, or like a leadership team. They feel mm -hmm. like that's something that they should do for free. Any insight on that and why they should have it as an upgrade or and the reasons or what you think or if you don't or whatever? You know, you know a lot of times um... – the reason why they're they don't like to charge because they're using their time to run their business for them, right? Or they get them to teach for them, right? You know, what I do if you're gonna if you're gonna charge for that, you got to have a separate program where they see that that you're doing that program, right? Right. If I say you're doing an uh, instructor certification program, yeah, that means you have to have this is you have to have a plan. This is what I do for instructors. You got to have this. You have right. to learn how to teach all of the modules that we have. Right. Like from double sticking, you got to have all of that. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to execute it and be able to teach it. Knowing side and then understanding side. Right. Understanding side, you're in a leadership program. Yeah. And then wh well, what's in it for me as an instructor? Oh, as an instructor, you got to know how to apply all of this because people right. ask you, how do you apply it? So now I use that three concept of, you know, first is knowing. That's when you're a student. When you're in a leadership program, now it's understanding because you're teaching it. Now right. you're understanding why they're saying, oh, chamber, why they're saying this. And then when you get to the instructor's program, you do a lot of application. So you have yeah. to know, understand, and apply. That's why you're an instructor. You can, you can apply. They, they have to be able to see that. And when they test and they see that, okay, give me the application of this. Boom, boom. Well, my son doesn't know that. Oh, right. Yeah, because he's not on the leadership program or the instructor's yeah. program. Right. But you see what he's doing now? Right. I want him to be the one to come up to you and say, mom, I want to be an instructor. I want to yeah. learn that. Right. Okay. But they said you have to, you have to be recommended. Right. Yes. Yeah, and you have to qualify. Right. 
So then what happened is that I can go up to the kids and go, keep that up in class. Yeah. You keep that up. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to your mom. I already talked to your mom. And if you try harder and your school grades gets better on the next school grades, I'll talk to your mom about putting you in a program. So now this kid is just trying to do better in school. Train hard in the class, man. This is the kid. That, this is the quality of the kids that I want in my class. Right, right. And as an instructor to assist me. Okay. So those, you got to create a benefits for those things that makes it worthwhile. This is the basic program. This is my leadership program. This is my instructor's program. Right. Yeah. I even tell the, you know, instructors that, you know, if you were a school teacher, you'd have to student teach for a period of time for free. You don't get paid for it in order to be able to see whether the school approves you as a teacher in order to get your final degree. I don't know why people have a disconnect when it comes to that um, martial arts. Sir, that was the old school. Yeah. That was our old school mentality. Right. 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 And now it's like um, people all people are familiar with prerequisite. This is this is what we do, and the thing that's why in this you have to lead by example. Right. This is what the students look like. This is what they have to see the difference between the student and the leadership. Gotcha. By testing, testing right. students perform. Right. Right. By right. Testing. Now the leadership people. You're not just going to perform. I need to see how you guys make those kids perform. I need you to teach. That's an extra thing that I see that I ask for on the testing. Right. So I could say, okay, leadership people only. And the parents would be like on the testing. So I'm still selling at the testing. Right. right. So right. testing time comes, parents are watching. Oh, wow. I remember him when he was so shy. Look at him lead the class. Right. Look at him do this. That's what I want my son to do. Yeah. Okay. By the way, after testing today, there's uh, uh, the judges in the front. So three or four people that can be recommended to go to the leadership program. This basically, if you set it up this way, it yeah. almost guaranteed that testing time comes, you have an upgrade instead of who can I upgrade now? It's called planning. Yeah. You, you're planning constantly. Right. You're planting seeds. Like that person you said that's go that's going to be a cop. Yeah. I'm going to show him what a, how professional being a martial art school owner is. Yeah. And I'm going to make him change his mind. And if he doesn't change his mind, if it doesn't work out as a cop, he knows. I know where he's coming back. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I think you should write a book basically called Selling, Selling by, Advantage, uh, by, by uh, Example. That's basically mm -hmm. what you're doing. You're not selling. You're yeah. showing. And people yeah. are then selling themselves into the program because they want their kids to be, or they want to be like those leaders. So you're really not selling. No. Well, not that's what you're going, right? I mean, you want them right. knocking down your door to uh, want to be in XYZ program or get this sort of benefit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny you said that because my instructor, Jay Kim, he didn't speak a lot of English back in the days, but the book that he made us read is the art of selling without selling. Uh-huh. It's like Bruce Lee, the art of fighting without without fighting, fighting right? <laughs> and basically it was based oh, what it was called um psych uh, selling through psychology. Right. Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy, what yeah. they make you go Q1, Q4, Q3. Right, right, yeah. Right, right. Psychology okay. of selling. 
Yeah, it's like behaviors and the behavior. Yeah, that was the first. I was a teenager and I was exposed to that. Yeah. So whenever someone aggressive comes over, I relax. I make them go down. You know, I make them go mellow, mellow them down. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. I love the way you know you kind of tone yourself down instead of guys aggressive. You're aggressive. It's gonna be like this. Yeah. It's just like sparring. It's, that's why I fell in love with Kali. It's about your own flow. Yeah. You know, it's about flowing. It's about your expression of the art. Right. That's one of the things why I fell in love with it. Because how I strike and how I cut and how I make it so fluid, it's up to me. I can put my own personality with it. Mm. You know, and that's why I fell in love with Kali. I get to express myself the way I want it. It's my Kali. It's my style of Kali. Because we all built different. What works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you guys. Right. Yeah. So when, when you tell this to the parents and the kids and they understand that, okay, now put your personality into it. Now the kid is just going like this. Oh, look at that. I can tell who have a lazy personality. Parents, look at your kid. Now the kid changed. Yeah. You know? Oh, so I use that. So a lot of times, one of the biggest thing is that a lot of times people motivate people individually. Right. I do different. As an instructor, you create an environment for people to be motivated instead of motivating people individually. Right. Just create an environment for people to be motivated. Like how many, how many issues that all the school owners have of the parents talking so loud in class. Right. Right. I will go kids. I will say kids. Some of you guys I hear talking during class. Look, look, turn around. Look at your parents. Do you see any of them talking? Look how much they respect you guys. The kids turn around. The parents are like, oops, <laughs> they're not talking. Right. So instead of me singling out the parents, I'll just say that. Look how the... Kids, look at the parents. That's why they brought you here. They want you guys to be this. Look how disciplined the parents are. They're not talking in the back, right? right? And then they turn around and look, and this little Johnny goes, well, my mom is always talking in the back. I can yeah. hear her. Yeah. Said, you don't talk about your mom like that, right? Yeah. I would do that. And then he goes, mommy goes, yeah, Johnny, you're not supposed to talk, mom. You know, okay. right, right. but kids, look. Because I'm teaching and they want you guys to hear what I'm saying, they're not talking in the back. Right? Yeah. And, and a lot of times you guys don't know. That's why you have to practice hard. You don't know they're videotaping you guys and they might use that when you start dating. So you yeah. do good in class. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I just did? It's called a power of suggestion. I just I just told the parents, your goal, you're supposed to be videotaping my class that so you can post for me so I can go viral. Right. With your friends. Yeah, yeah. Selling on the floor. Yes. I love it. I'm available. Okay. Anybody wants to hire me? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a few minutes left. Let's quickly uh, yes, let sir. people know how they can contact you. If they're interested in, you know, obviously Kali for kids, Kali for adults, or or any other things that you uh, that you have that you can help them with. So uh, first off, tell us what you've got okay. that you can help people with, but then also how they can get a hold of you. Okay. So one of the things that I have that we can complement a lot of the martial arts schools right now to our thing is retention, right? 
one of the biggest problems for retention. How do we keep the kids interested in the program? How do we make them, uh, you know, majority of attack on people is by use of weapon. Let's create, I have a, my college for kids program are basically imagine how name one kid who does not want to spar with weapon. Right now name one parent that don't want their kids to spar <laughs> with weapons, right? There's a lot of parents who say no. Now imagine if you have a safe and structure and organized and systemized program that would teach instructors how to do um, weapon sparring. Right. Okay. Weapon sparring. We in in the ATA and the Taekwondo industry. Like I don't know if you guys been to ATA World event. Their world. They had over last time I went. They had almost nine thousand competitors for weapon sparring. Wow. Is the number one growing division. You have no idea how much demand of martial art competitor or uh, promoters that wants me to create a weapons program, right? A weapons sparring program. It, it, because if you look at all the things that they watch and games, they have weapons sparring. Sure, so right. all the kids want that. Now imagine this on your class. Ready? Everybody sparring. They're spar they spar at the end of the class. After one minute, okay, drop and get your padded sticks. But they're already geared. Now they're sparring with padded sticks. That's their cardio. Right. That's the weight loss they're looking for. That's how you channel the energy and doing something constructive. And it has fun written all over it. That's basically what my Kali kid for kids program. Now, what's the website on that? Um, the website on that, it's also on my Art of Blade. Okay. So www.blade.com. Okay. I'm going to write that on here. Artofblade.com. Yes, Got sir. It. Okay. And then they can specify whether it's an instructor's program. That's all in there and then i also have a program is all of it you can find an artofblade.com and then i have programs for the adults and mainly a lot of adults want practical self-defense uh so we have that program also we have online classes that people can take and follow and i have when the pandemic hit my door closed but my uh my wall got ex my 3,000 square foot studio turning into million square footage because it went all the way to Canada, Singapore, India, Europe, Canada, all over US that's training with me online. So we have that online training that they, and also we have video support videos that they can follow and an example of, and then they can follow some of it on YouTube. I have it on YouTube and our YouTube channel, which is the iKali which is I stands for indigenous Kali. So I'm trying to keep the traditional, but have the modern way of teaching. Great. Okay. So that's my program for adults. And we have women self-defense because uh, a lot of times um, when you do a women's self-defense class, look at, look at um, steps, a lot of women, they all like the click. So you get a group of women training together, exercising, learning self-defense. Um, we have that program as well and the instructor development program. So awesome. the things that I say, like how to conduct the class, how to teach the class, how to sell on the floor. I teach all of that to the instructors. Nice. Marvelous. Through the program. So they can get all that information at artofblade.com. Yes, sir. 
Yeah, and I posted it already on here so that the oh, people who are in the thread, they have it there and the website come up come, came up so they can click right on it. Yeah. Well, sir, we appreciate you uh, being on the on the podcast today. So thanks for giving back to the martial arts industry. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And the last thing that I want to add, guys, instructors, if you guys are listening, make sure you guys are approachable. We get so hung up on the title that we separate ourselves from the students and the parents. We have to be approachable. Big love one, it. yeah. That's yep. a big one, yes. That's a big one. That's for sure. Yeah, I love it. That's great. Thank you for sharing everything. It was awesome. Oh, great, cool. seeing, great seeing you, and I hope to see you physically in person. We'll get together soon. Yes, sir. We will. Um, but, Same uh, thing to Dwayne. Not, uh, I think we do it like every, what, 15, 20 years? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. so I will be, by the way, I will be... Uh, for those instructors, I will be in the martial arts super show. This I have a two-day, I have a two-day uh, pre-conference event. I have the Saturday and Sunday, which is awesome. Um, and and is Tuhan going to be there? Tuhan uh, Gahi as well, or if if his schedule permits, he will be there. Even if he's not, I will bring him over there. If he's if he's in the U.S., I will bring him over. He's in the Philippines right, right now. Great. But I'm going to be teaching a lot of the sparring. Uh, I'll have a section for sparring, uh, how to teach a sparring, weapon sparring class, like a combat oh, cool. sparring class to implement in their program. Great. Good and job. And how to sell on the floor. That's basically my always topic over there. Like yeah. I teach a seminar and I'm do it right there. Like awesome. how five, one of the instructors, good, keep doing that. Now you're going to be my assistant. I use the learn to teach, teach to learn. Right. And then at the end, I'll go, sir, I want you to tell your mom just like the way we would do it in school, tell your mom to come see me or talk to our program director in the back about putting you on our leadership program. Congratulations. Everybody give him a hand. So they yeah. see that on the <coughs> fantastic on how to sell on the floor. Thank you guys. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, I'll see you thank soon. You for what you do in the industry. All right. Thank Absolutely. you. All right, Dwayne, right. talk to you later. Thank you. Yes, sir. All Bye. right. I just want to remind everybody, go to schoolownertalk.com to uh, get all the past episodes. And, uh, sir, again, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you so much, great day. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. LeadHunterMedia.com, your online digital marketer and content provider. Academy Kings BJJ Growth Consulting and Management Group at GrowMyAcademy.com. SparkMembership.com, hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. GetKarateStudents.com, a martial arts growth consulting company for all your systems. AdHealthCoaching.com, helping school owners create a whole other revenue stream for their school. We will see you next time.